This is a test. JP Bar Podcast. Episode three of the JP Bar Podcast with my good friend Liam Dawson, a YouTube content creator, talented photographer, and highly skilled skateboarder. Liam and I have done lots of creative work together and spent lots of time in libraries really across Western Canada, Red Deer, Calgary, and Vancouver, um, reading, discussing books, and doing lots of learning together. So I think as Tim Ferriss, a kind of a definition that he uses for friendships like ours is a thought partner. I think that's the word mm, that's great. that he uses. And I think that describes our friendship. We get into a lot of philosophical discussions and just talking about books and maybe business ideas, but mainly we go quite lateral and really just kind of out there thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's great to um, connect with um, someone like you for one of these early episodes of my podcast. And I'm sure we're going to um, provide some real good stories and some, some value to other like-minded people in this episode. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Liam, how's things in Vancouver right now? What's the weather like? Um, one thing, John, excellent intro. Thank okay. you. And I definitely agree. We do kind of leverage each other and do provoke thought and for sure. lessons for ourselves. It's nice. Um, but here in Vancouver, it's been pretty great. The weather's yeah. getting better. It's quite mild. But it's always nice because the air feels really relaxed and yeah. neutralized. So I definitely fit here pretty well. And it kind of promotes my mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I think Vancouver is a very like clean environment and just makes you feel relaxed and focused. I don't know all the nature and the humidity in the air being by the ocean. It's crazy for me to think when I was in Vancouver, seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Like all this COVID stuff happened in between then and so much changed. But when I was there with you, it was like spring weather, right? The sun was coming out at times and it was pretty nice. It was like, two months in Calgary here until we got that weather. You know what I mean? Like it was a long time since I got back from Vancouver yeah. until we started to get spring weather, which is kind of crazy to me to think that, you know, like winter is real out here. We do get and, a little bit of a head start. Yeah. Just a little, oh yeah. Vancouver gets a big head start with spring. Okay. So let's uh, get right into it. So, um, when I think about the world, <laughs> when I look and analyze things, I realize that we really live in a world of infinite possibilities, right? Like just true abundance as, as corny as that word can be sometimes like a lot of people use that word abundance in this kind of mm. hoorah mystical way, but I don't know how else to describe the world that we live in other than abundant. Right. And with, with all those possibilities, a question that I always ask myself, and I don't know if anyone really knows the answer to, but that question is, how can we be sure that what we're doing is truly authentic to who we are? And how can we be sure that we're on the right path? You know, it's something that I always ask myself. And mm -hmm. I think something that you can provide a lot of insights on just through um, your journey thus far in life. Mm -hmm. Well, that goes quick quite a while back but to answer that question to at least provide some thought towards that question is i do think it comes down to first of all the most provoking part is what hurts you mm. like where are you finding pain do you have mismanaged relationships did you move far away and have like minimal friends 
And then that kind of creates uh, some form of suffering inside you that creates a resistance and an irritation that you just don't quite know how to face. And that kind of provokes more soul searching, so to speak, and finding direction. And um, a lot of the times that it could also be vice that you fall into mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, seeking um, seeking answers. I think that's a common the, thing, right? right? People fall yeah. into bad habits and vices and that kind of numbs their connection to their authentic self, right? It's either mm-hmm. you live out your true values and your authenticity or it seems like you numb that down by playing video games, you know, smoking drugs and those sorts of things. Doesn't that kind of seem like the yin and yang almost? Yes. It also, but it also takes time and effort to like sit patiently and find answers or seek answers. Yeah. And that's quite difficult mm-hmm. to allow yourself time for. It's yeah. not difficult. It just requires you. to. Yeah. Make it's the, a weird thing, isn't it? Like effort. Yeah. Cause it, once you do start living true to yourself, it doesn't seem hard per se, Mm -hmm. but yet when you're in that place where you feel like you haven't been your authentic self and you have these um, issues in your life, like maybe relationships are falling apart and all those sorts of things, it can seem very hard and daunting. But once you're in that flow and once you're like, have that momentum, it kind of seems like the easiest thing in the world Mm -hmm. once you're really being authentic to yourself. So it's a really strange concept. Yeah. You really begin to like become fueled by it. Yeah. And like you start to notice your own resistance to not mm. fueling your own kind of desires. Yeah. And that's almost the new vice, <laughs> but <laughs> you need to, you need to breathe. You need to give yourself time yeah. and kind of allow, allow uh, information to process. But yeah, I do think once you start reaching those insights, like a lot of books, mm-hmm. like when you start reading for the first time or learning in new information, yeah. there's a lot of, things like what triggered my interest in reading Mm -hmm. was when I was recommended a book and I actually took the time to read it. And this was at a low point in my life because that's pretty much what triggered me reading. Cause I was like, okay, things are different now. I need to make some new decisions. Yeah. And then once I read that book, yeah. Once I read that book, it kind of domino effect my kind of eagerness to read more, but mainly because it debunked a lot of things that people were telling me. And so I started to realize I have to make my own, I have to base my own judgment from people I either admire or from real people doing what they're, what I want to do. Yeah. And it can't just be anyone or my parents, so mm-hmm. to speak, because yeah. a lot of the times they're not fully educated in what they're actually doing mm. or they don't know how to kind of direct you in a direction that suits your personality. Yeah. It's kind of, um, relate and suggest common things that were passed down from them or that they see in the environment. Yeah, kind of generic advice and, and guidance, that's not, right? That's not, that doesn't really drive me or inspire me, especially if you don't see the results that yeah. you're seeing. Mm. You can't really take it to heart. But um, yeah, they just love you. They look for the best of you, but you have to do your d- due diligence and make the decision that you think suit you by learning and reading and discovering things. And it doesn't even have to be something you enjoy, just something yeah. you slightly think you have a skill or potential in 
and mm. then you dive in, into it and it starts to like fruition into a lot of ideas. Yeah. But yeah, that main, that main moment was understanding like un pretty much understanding the f exchange and flow of money and how, mm. how different people have different results yeah. and that what, what we're taught in school isn't actually the fact to acquiring mm -hmm. real sustainability. And yeah. that blew my mind because yeah. everyone around me is just investing, go to college, go to school, yeah. get a career. And, and then all of a sudden it just debunked the, the, this, I thought fact, right. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd never we took the time to research it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I noticed that it kind of triggered my brain in such a different direction and it's been different ever since. And I'm definitely happy for that fact because I wouldn't be yeah. myself if it weren't for that. So yeah, the situation for me and I thank the man, Marcus <laughs> Dennis, yeah. who kind of recommended the book. A lot of respect to him, a lot of credit. Absolutely. So it's definitely very valuable to, to have these sort of role models that maybe you find through books or honestly, like, let's, let's just, let's just explain how valuable of a real tool like YouTube and podcasts have been to both of us, right? Like mm -hmm. unbelievable value in just having these platforms where we can go and find stuff to follow and listen to that really aligns with us, right? It's not like school is where it's a curriculum and they kind of just shove it down your throat, even if it doesn't necessarily fit with who you are. Like having the freedom and the, the power to utilize the internet, mainly, you know, podcasts and YouTube to find this sort of, these sorts of teachings has been so valuable. Do you have any um, like insights on that? Like at what, what age do you think you kind of started using the internet and YouTube for more like self-education purposes and self-awareness stuff instead of just like entertainment. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like specific memories of that? I would say I was on the verge of 19 to 20. 19 mm -hmm. was when the book started to click and I started to seek information through books. Yeah. But then when I was 20, I really started to dive into like interviews, podcasts and mm -hmm. informative videos because that stemmed from the initial debunking myths and offering real facts yeah that kind of opposed the majority yeah and so i was fascinated by that and then i started searching keywords in youtube that related to my awareness from those books and then it kind of dominoed to this day yeah and um super super valuable and then libraries as well we kind of touched on that in the beginning yeah absolutely it doesn't, I, I remember those I days of the library I remember those days in Red Deer um, where you and I would just meet up at the library like quite often, you know, I would yeah. take the bus down there sometimes and not even text you and just like kind of in the back of my mind be like, Oh, I hope I meet up with yeah. Liam at the library, you know, and often, often we would cross paths there. And those were good days, man. Like That's we, wild. we got into some like very good books and um, that was quite a few years ago now, like maybe three years ago at this point. 2017. 18 ish. Yeah. So those are super great times and I love the libraries, man. So much value. Yeah. There. It's just a oyster of like so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you're really like entrepreneurial or fascinated with curious, like curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a plethora of information and mm -hmm. all, it's, it's just incredible. It makes me want to go. Choose, but, uh, you know? Library's yeah. still closed here right now. Yeah. 
I believe mine is too. And that, that's also another cool but aspect. Libraries are extremely touchy, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of a you know sad reality that with this virus and stuff, who knows what the futures of libraries are? But yeah. I think they should just say to hell with it. Put yeah. the risks aside and say that the the benefits from libraries outweigh the risks, right? <laughs> One funny fact I'm actually so, so grateful for is I rented a book <laughs> for trading psychology yeah. right before uh, the libraries closed and I've had it ever since. I've had, like own this book now. Okay. Yeah, it's like three it's months. It's not getting returned. Maybe they're just like going to dispel with it now. I own yeah. this incredible That's book. hilarious. What book is it? Uh, it's called One-on-One Lessons Trading Psychology, I believe, mm. by Robert Steenbarger. I have it in my desk. Yeah. Should I show it? Sure. Do a quick book shout out. Trading psychology. If anyone's so inclined. Hmm. This is straight up a university degree. Yeah. In one book. Yeah, I believe it. Psycho psychologically. Hmm. Yeah. So um you you definitely have a very entrepreneurial mind. Um and I think that stems from a lot of the experiences that you just outlined. Um, but you're also a rather um, free spirited, you know, skateboarder type, right? Mm. So how, how do you find that balance in life between productivity and, you know, financial stuff and then, you know, the freedom of expression and creativity and just kind of doing what you mm. want when you feel like it, where, where does that balance come into play? Okay, so that's an excellent question. First of all, I'm going to answer the last statement you said, which was okay. freedom of expression. And I truly believe as being a skateboarder, we're quite outcasted. People don't usually accept us. It's getting better now, but let's be honest, yeah. it's still essentially illegal. You, mm -hmm. you get kicked out almost yeah. everywhere you go. Yeah. Just people just don't enjoy the sound of skateboarding <laughs> and the fact that it essentially defaces property. Yeah. But, um, it's a, it's an extreme, it's a really great way to release, to find some form of meditation mm. and be able to collaborate with people without being on a team, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, the, the self-expression I think for me is a little more free spirited because of skateboarding and the fact yeah. that, um, I, we are individuals who kind of define our own style. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we are always engaged with street, the streets, this, the city life and so many different types of people who like accept you or like hate you, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you're able to mingle and, and, and play with so many different personalities that you kind of formulate a very free spirited method to living mm -hmm. and that you're not as afraid of judgment because nobody, there was no groups that you're trying to fit into because everyone just kind of accepted who you were. Yeah. So you kind of are able to formulate your own style hmm. more effectively. Hmm. And um, for that second part that you mentioned about self yeah. or uh, Well, when you, when you explain it like that, I feel like the, that free spirited um, freedom of expression kind of has come more natural to you. Right. So would you say, because you started skateboarding quite young, so that, that kind of hmm. mentality has um, come quite easily to you just finding that freedom of creativity. So yeah. actually I could branch more out actually. Yeah. I'm like since being a young boy, so to speak, mm -hmm. like roughly nine years old, that's when I kind of picked it up more 
fully, like, yeah, legitimately, and uh, like I started seeing progression then. Mm-hmm. And but I was always alone. Like I started skateboarding alone. Yeah. And so like the, that being a, a factor into how I had fun, mm-hmm. I was able to feel my environment more fully mm-hmm. and kind of base my emotions off of how I exert my energy. Yeah. And like skateboarding pretty much means productivity in that mm. early stages of life. Yeah. And so, and that's also a form of progression and like expanding your uh, awareness by learning tricks, etc. And yeah. now to this day, now that I'm more of an adult, I apply that to learning. Oh, okay. So skateboarding, like you get, I feel productive skateboarding. But yeah. I yeah. I see what you mean. So it kind of ties into learning. both, right? It's not like, if you're a skateboarder, all you know is like free spiritedness, but it's actually kind of ingraining, or at least that's been your experience where it's ingrained that mindset of how to be productive and that feeling of knowing when you're doing Mm -hmm. something effectively, right? Like achievement. And you have to feel your way to success in a sense that like your feet might not be in the right place. You have to Mm, find a new placement to get it more correct. And then like, once you achieve that, what's the next trick that might be exciting or you think suits you yeah. and your abilities and that's mm. kind of how entrepreneurship works in a sense like True. you manage your risk you yep. tool and fiddle with relationships and like yourself yeah you have to have Until a good feeling click yep yeah that's uh that's, that's really great stuff man i i always love hearing your experience with skateboarding because you know it's something that i got quite interested in but I, I was interested in like the culture of it, the style, you know, the clothing, the brand, the, mm-hmm. the, the characters in it, you know, the skateboarders themselves were always quite, quite, quite cool people. And, you know, when we were both growing up, skateboarding kind of started to cross over more into the mainstream, right? Like West 49 and those clothing stores, mm-hmm. that was like the place to shop. If you were like in middle school, even if you weren't a skateboarder, right. And the started going into Nike, the sneakers and, some skateboarders started to become more like celebrity figures and more like pop culture icons. Right. So I was always very interested in it, but I never pushed myself to actually get involved with the actual act of skateboarding, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that was just probably like based out of fear. You know what I mean? Like it's a rough and tough thing. Like you're going to have to be prepared for, for pain and injury and, and some form of physical suffering. Right. And I just, I I avoided that at all costs when I was young you know, so that's, that's been my experience with skateboarding, but to hear you just explain it, how it's kind of, um, evolved with you throughout your life. And, um, I don't know, it's really, really fascinating stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It all triggered from like the, the, the fascination of being able to maneuver your body basically in air, like motocross, yeah. Yeah. skateboarding, like Tony Hawk doing the 900, the expression he had. And that was entirely him just achieving what he set out to do alone basically. Yeah. And it just like triggered such uh, like a emotion in my brain. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty exciting. It's kind of how it began. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's helped a lot with your self-awareness as well as the later on, like you mentioned um, the intensive self-education thanks to libraries and YouTube and whatnot. So another um, big interest of yours is architecture and right now you're really killing it with your um, YouTube um, kind of architecture photography vlogs. And I think you've found a very cool niche with that. 
And that kind of stuff just seems to come out of you quite naturally as well. And uh, maybe if you could just touch a little bit on what your fascination with architecture is and kind of what it means to you. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start off with this. I was in a library, the same library John and I used to get together in. <laughs> and because I knew there was something missing, like I just naturally was inclined to architecture. There was something missing. I knew there was more to say about it. Mm -hmm. I knew there was something to be explained about what I was feeling internally, but mm -hmm. nothing was written on paper. And I remember just searching, I don't know how I found the book, but I think I was just in the architectural section yeah. and I found literally the book that I was looking for just spot on. The moment I saw it, it just clicked. I was like, this is for me renting it. And uh, it was called the architecture of happiness by uh, Alan de hmm. And he actually has a really cool YouTube video up on talking about this neighborhood in the Netherlands. Okay. And it's a very engaging, like youth oriented hmm. and like young adult neighborhood. Yeah. But yeah, so I started kind of reading up on that and the way he wrote it was really good. He started off with like sculpting furniture and then all the way into architectural, mm. like historical styles, um, modern styles and how contrast, color contrast, shape, uh, yeah. uh, details all have a representation psychologically mm. and also like say the early days before it was more modernized. Yeah all that like sculpting and everything pretty much was to engage religious kind of okay, yeah. ideas and also mm -hmm. purpose of life at the time, like their yeah. philosophies of living mm -hmm. and the sculptures kind of represented that. So it was like, a, it was like an insight and a memory for people to kind of engage with on the daily commute. Et yeah. yeah. But it, I like the, the fact that he highlighted the relationship between colors, curves, like patterns mm -hmm. and how it kind of, uh, creates uh, a connection within our own lives. Like maybe yeah. we are suffering some form of darkness mm -hmm. or maybe we are looking to achieve greatness and the scale and volume of a structure is something that we can feel. Yeah. But the textures add more of a personality to define what we're feeling. Hmm. Yeah. So. That's super interesting. You mentioned something in one of your more recent videos where you were admiring some buildings and you said, it's crazy to think like that building's there for us, right? Like, I feel like we kind of might drive through a downtown core of a city and just sort of like, Oh yeah, this, the buildings are nice, da da da. But we forget to really um, remind ourselves that those buildings were literally created for you and I, like the architect was buildings are created for humans. Right. And I feel like mm -hmm. we almost overlook that aspect to it and kind of neglect the sheer, um, just just the utility of the architecture that's all right in front of us you know absolutely and it's it's impressive just to think because it's so it's such a it's such an incredible scale yeah that to, to be even fathom the fact that workers had to yes kind of communally construct this kind of mm -hmm. and especially with all the equipment etc yeah even with the equipment you just don't understand how they would structure it i know it's just it's uh, so exciting yeah, it's, it's really quite mind boggling. And it wasn't until yeah. me living in Calgary that I really started to like look at how these buildings are being built, right? Like in my neighborhood right here, there's an apartment building being built down the road for me. And I'm watching how they're creating that one versus this other tower in a different neighborhood that's 
quite, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's more large scale, right? And just watching the, the subtle nuances and just when you look at the workers, right? They're always just like average mm-hmm. people. And it's like, they're creating this phenomenal structure. Like, how do they even know what they're doing? It's just, it's so crazy. It's such an amazing feat of yeah. human innovation, you know? Um, uh, to summarize though, my fascination with architecture is pretty much the idealization of a more beautiful city, so to yeah. speak. But obviously we can't fully create that in a sense that we have to um, make sure we preserve history, but also have in mind idealism for future growth. And yeah. that's why I think a lot of landmark buildings aren't being built currently because we still want to sustain a relationship between our environment instead of like extrapolating. True. It comes down to balance again, right? Mm -hmm. Despite how beautiful it would be with all these patterns and exaggerations, Mm -hmm. it just probably wouldn't be practical for maintaining like heritage. Yeah. That's another aspect is you got to consider human culture, but then also the Mm -hmm. environment too right? Like what's the impact of the environment around, not just the natural environment, but the human environment, the animal environment, all these things are so many factors involved. It's really the most complicated thing is like building human dwellings and structures. It's, it's just so fascinating. And I don't know, I think it's a underappreciated and under talked about subject. Like I said, like most people aren't really considering the architecture around them. People just kind of pass by and, I don't know. I feel like they don't discuss it or appreciate it like they really should. That's almost a shame though, because all you really see in the city, like a large city is concrete. Yeah. A little bit of grass, concrete (laughs) and materials. Like if you don't like the city, you should probably move to like a smaller town where more greenery Mm. and like, you know, obviously I'm gifted because Vancouver has a super great balance. Oh yeah. Yeah. The balance between nature and concrete. I love in your videos when you do yeah. highlight some mega structure and then maybe there's trees on it or some vine growing up it, or you take a nice photo that captures that greenery plus that kind of rude, brutalist um, concrete and steel. You know, I just, mm-hmm. something about that mix and that yeah. balance of the two is super cool. It's like a imbalance of balance. Yeah. But it's a good relationship for life, I think. Yeah. You have the, the like self expressive free flowing mm-hmm. um if i'm gonna get technical here uh, i don't even know homo sapien is yes. that am i right yes homo sapien. and then you have the rigid like modern man who's trying to mm. get back to business right and yeah. you have the you have the opposing sides of natural mm. and unnatural and you have because we're modern people yeah. you have to fuse the two to create some form of joy i suppose or a career yep yeah, some, so some form of utility. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, I Again, I love your insights with architecture as well. So um, to wrap this podcast up pretty soon here, um, one final question I would have for you is, maybe this is an impossible question to answer, but what what is your most impactful book that you've encountered in your life thus far? Hmm. Excellent question. <laughs> I've read quite a few, but um, I don't want to say like a short story or something, Yeah. but I truly actually, yeah, I'm going to say this one really impacted me. I would say Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, if 
I'm saying that correctly. Okay. Just because of the relationship I had with, because I was in quite a grieving state of mind when I read this book. Mm. And it kind of comforted me and, and, and allowed me to have a piece, like understand that it takes time and mistakes will happen. But if you kind of appreciate the flow of living and just take it and learn with it, you can kind of be all right. Hmm. But it's pretty much about, I believe, the Buddha and his yeah. journey hmm. from being sheltered from fear and violence from his father until old man kind of came in and shook out, like basically snuck him out of his area. And he discovered like death and all these sort of forms of suffering. Yeah. And then so he kind of left the area, fled everything and started kind of seeking his own answers hmm. and um, suffering himself and then seeking more, finding material goods, hmm. finding joy and then suffering and then finding like a river and an area to kind of settle you know hmm. yeah and it was just a really awesome story of ups and downs um natural and material hmm. and just and the just journey a of them both but it was it's quite a short story but it has a pretty strong purpose yeah um but that doesn't even that's not even uh non-fiction or fiction it's kind of like a fuse i suppose yeah, yeah i so that's why i would say it's my favorite because it's a book that you can go back to yeah. And it's applicable yeah. to the material world and the psychological world. Hmm. And it gives you a form it. of comfort when you read it. So, yeah. and it's, yeah. it, anyone can read it. It's quite a short story. So that's my favorite book that kind of influenced my character more, I think. That's and great. And you living. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. Well, thank you for doing this uh, podcast episode with me. I'm sure there'll be many more to come in the future. Um, we, yes, we did kind of so. record, uh, when I was in Vancouver there, we went to the public library and they had really professional full on audio booths to record in. Mm -hmm. And we did record a little episode there that I'll always have in my archive to reference in the future, just kind of fun, but there was no real structure to it. We just kind of were fiddling around. It was fun, good conversations, yeah. but I'm sure, um, as both you and I go forward with our journey of content creation and just sharing stuff. We're going to yeah. continue to articulate our stories and our ideas that we share together. So uh, more to, more to come in the future for sure. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, not too much, but I have one thing to say to add to the podcast yeah. and that was my experience with it. The first time ever, was a lot of freestyling, freestyle yeah. speech, and a little bit of anxiety because yeah. you just want yep. to perform. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you can just trust the process yeah. and be all right with anxiety, judgment, yeah. and overall discomfort because mm -hmm. as long as you can state your values and be all right with failing on the way to understanding yourself, then yeah. I think things will be all right. And that, that way you can't look back and be ungrateful or regretful. Yeah. That's why it's super valuable to have a friend like you, where I can do these early stage podcast episodes with, get some experience under my belt and maybe shed some of that anxiety going forward so I can continue to perform 
and do just better and better podcasts. So really appreciate this, Liam. Thanks for taking the time to yeah. do this with me. And uh, check out Liam on YouTube, Liam Dawson. I think he's, are you the one and only on YouTube? Isn't there like I'm some a, young kid? I'm, uh, I'm right beside a professional ratchet, racket player. Yes, <laughs> but you'll find me. So yeah, tune in you, to my you, you have your specific Liam Dawson niche compared to the other. Yes, the other one. <laughs> I'm active, so please yeah. engage. But I'll be posting more architectural videos and lifestyle videos. Mm. I'm going to be creating a new format, so stay tuned for that. And where can people see your photography? Because even for myself, like mm. I know you're taking so much great pictures, but yet. I don't know where, where, where's the most efficient way to view yeah. all your photography at? Um, Flickr and Tumblr actually. Okay. We could leave a link below. Yeah, but I will. Are you pretty I'll, active on there? Like, are you, I'm not that active. No. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's I'm a work in progress upgrade and update my kind of archive just to kind of spill all the beans onto something that can be frequently updated so I can look back on it and share it. Yeah because I'm always learning. So it's nice to be able to keep up to date with myself. For sure. So I think I'll start that up at the end of this podcast. All right. Sounds good. Links will be in the description and that's it for this episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Liam. Thanks again, John. All right. See ya.